0: Good morning church. What a blessing to be together today. We welcome everybody in that's watching across the Fruited Plains and around the world. Uh, we always love having you a part of our live stream as well as of course our group over in the Fellowship Center. A little amen from those guys. we uh, I was in there Friday night. Um, I was asked to speak at Celebrate Recovery and it hadn't been in a while because we were on the road so much. But I have to say that they're right. That is the place to be on Friday night is celebrate recovery. Wow. How exciting that is. Let me hear you fellowship center. Yeah. Um, man, I was sitting there and you know, while we were, we praising God and worshiping and people were just singing their lungs out, which was exciting. And for me, it was just kind of a walk down memory lane. Uh, Mike was there and just thinking about everything that had gone on in that room and in our church. Uh, I went. I flashed back to being 10 years old and standing right there on that stage, looked a little different back in those days, 47 years ago, and watching my dad be baptized into Christ. And so the biggest heathen in North Louisiana and South Arkansas became John the Baptist right in front of my eyes, which was amazing. What a blessing. Mike and Susan tied the knot in that room as well, however many years ago that was. And so many great things have happened there, here, and with people. I asked the group that was there to raise their hands if they were there New Year's Eve 2004, which was the first night of our Celebrate Recovery. And Mike and I were there. So I think it was about five hands that went up out of 300-plus people just to show you what God has done, is doing, and will do when we give our hearts to him. What a blessing. Um, I want to have our scripture reader come up, Tomas Gutierrez. Come on up here. He's a sixth grader from OCS. says here he plays football and he's an artist. He goes to art clubs. So that means he's both tough and tender, which is a good combination, right? We like that. And it also says, yeah, we got some fans over there, Tomas. It says that he's a Dallas Cowboy fan, which makes him my friend. Because so am I, and so is Mike and Tommy. So we got a lot of Mark All right, Thomas, read, read our scripture. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Hebrews nine twenty seven 28. All right. How about a round for Tomas? Thank you, brother. He acted like he was going to stay and preach a little bit. That's all right. We'll, we'll get him up here. Mike, a few weeks ago, I came back in after everybody was gone. There were four teenagers up there practicing their preaching. And I kept, they kind of embarrassed him because I walked in. I said, no, keep going. I want to see if you got something worth using later. So they didn't. They quit. Um, about 20 plus years ago, there was a, a couple of brothers that started, and maybe they'd made them before, but I, I recognized them about 22 or 3 years ago. Started making movies, and they're their, the Nolan brothers. They made a lot of huge, big films. And what drew me to their movies was that they were, they could tell a story, they'd come in at the end, the beginning, wherever, and they, they did a lot of stuff around time and space. Which has always interested me. It's hard for us to figure it out, right? Because we're living in time and space. And so, and we tend to think linear, right? We're born, you know, we live, we die, And then we hope. Right. And so these guys just came up with some really interesting concepts that drew my attention to it. And I realized that if you have a compelling story. I mean, a really good one, somebody really thought something up, great, recreated something, you know, wrote it themselves. And then you can tell that story. Really, you can come in at any point and you're drawn to it. Right. And that's what these guys did when I was a a kid. I was very much drawn to the movie, or or to the book first, about the Titanic. And I don't know why, it just intrigued me. You know, this ship, this unsinkable ship that comes across the Atlantic, and of course has a a terrible accident, of course many people died, but it just, I was drawn to it. And I remember reading A Night to Remember, you know, when I was a kid, and one of the you know book things you do as as a student, and I was amazed by it. And I watched everything that was out at the time. Of course, there's some great old movies about it. And then, and then of course, James Cameron comes along in 97. Can you believe that's been 25 years ago since Titanic came out? And and films this thing, right, with up-to-date cameras and, and actually looking at the real Titanic. And it was just, I was amazed all over again. And really, when you think about it, why? I knew what happened. It happened in 1912, Right? I mean, it wasn't like I was going to go to see the movie and think, well, maybe this time the ship makes it, right? I mean, you know the ending. And yet it's a compelling story. And there's all these background stories of the people that were on this ship and what happened during those fateful hours that we become drawn to stories like that. That's why there's success, right? Well, it's the same thing with the gospel, It's a fantastic, amazing, life-changing story that no matter where you come into it, you're compelled and you're compelled to know more and it never gets old. We're starting a new series today and we're calling it the inverted gospel because we're going to go, we're going to start at the end of the story and we're going to work our way back to Christmas day, the birth of Christ, where we'll close the series where it all began. So Mike and I are the Nolan brothers for this little journey, uh, and and I'm super excited about it, and I'm super excited about what I have to share today. Let's pray. Father, just want to take a moment and pray for clarity of our minds and our spirits. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will intervene and take our minds away from lunch or work or football and help us to center on what we're going to share today. We look forward to your coming. We look forward to heaven. And I just pray, Father, today for clarity as I speak. Holy Spirit, speak through me today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm at the age where I I can either see my notes or see you. And I need to see my notes today. So you're just kind of a blur out there, but all right. Every once in a while, let me know you're out there. You can laugh, you can cough, you can... Give us a Jesus out there, something. So from God's perspective, anytime those words come out of your mouth, from God's perspective, you need, probably need to say, I could be wrong. Because I got up this morning, I looked in the mirror, and I realized I'm not God. So I have to guess when I'm looking at something from his perspective. From God's perspective, the future event that we're all looking forward to, the second coming, has probably already happened because he's outside of time and space. Now, already, if you're saying, whoa, Nolan brothers, remember, I told you, we're going to be talking about things that are so much bigger than us throughout this whole series. And we have to be sharp and clear in our minds and spirits to really appreciate how big our God is. You see, God exists outside of time and space, but also inside. He's here. He's here. He's here with us today. Do you believe that? Holy Spirit's here, living, active. We're making choices. Time is real. And he's bigger than that. Now, we get a lot of clues on why I believe this to be true. One, The first one I'm going to talk about comes from Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is a doozy. I don't have time because I'm bound here today in, in this window to read you the whole psalm, but that's your assignment for this afternoon. Go home and read the psalm, Psalm 90. As far as we know, it's the only psalm that Moses wrote. He may have written 91, but for sure he wrote 90. He also wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers, the Torah. And he wrote all this 1,700 years before Christ. 1,700 years. And he knows a lot way back then. So if dad were here, he would say to Mr. Evolutionist, what department in salt water gave him this information? It's a pretty good point. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. So that's in our time and our space. Moses said, I look around, I see the passage of time, generations, and I see you. So you're here. Then he says this. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you were God. Now he just stepped outside time and space. That's where God is, the creator, everlasting, no end. Whoa. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Now we're back in time. That's us, right? We're born. We live, hopefully, a long, healthy life. And then we're back to dust. And it's happened over and over and over again throughout human history. Then he says this, 1,700 years before Christ. a 1,000 years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by. Did he just compare a thousand years to a 24 hour day? He did. And think about it. To God, it's nothing. He's outside time and space. He goes even further or like a watch in the night. That's six hours. Did he just compare a thousand years to six hours? Yep. From God's perspective. So big, so powerful. God exists outside time and space and inside, and he also includes the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Here's another bind bender. God is not just one, but three, and yet one. Pretty big, huh? Genesis 1, in the beginning, so that's outside time and space, and now there's a time and space beginning. God created the heavens. That alone is a huge statement. We can see a lot of heavens these days we got telescopes that look a long way off. Check out the James Webb Telescope website sometime. You want to see some mind-blowing stuff. God created the heavens and the earth. It was part of that process, but there's something very special about this blue ball, third planet from the sun. It was here that he would make us in his image. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I know that Yahweh and the spirit were there outside of time and now are with us creating. What about Jesus? John's going to go a little further. in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So this word, whoever this is, was there. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So he was a part of the process. This word. Who was it? Look at verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. So there we got it. Father, son, spirit. Outside of time and space create time and space and then function inside time and space Genesis 1 God said the three that are one let us make man in our image and he did first a man then a woman we're made of three parts body soul and spirit like our creator wow The son of God also became the son of man, Jesus Christ, which connects heaven and outside time to us on this earth in this realm. Wow. Jesus did that. Colossians 2 verse 9 says that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. God became one of us. Therefore, putting himself under the same limitations that we're under in time and space. Here's the way Paul would put it in Ephesians. Praise be to the God. Are you still with me? Okay, just making sure because I can't see you. So I need to make sure. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's going to use that. Four times in this passage I'm about to read in Christ. It's all about him. Mike was right. He chose us in him, in Christ, before the creation of the world. So he chose us in Christ because Christ was going to be the key before he even made us. He chose us outside time and space. That's how big our God is. And yet, because of Christ, we can know that. I would say we could understand it, but it's a struggle, right? What did he choose us to be? Holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ. People get real weirded out about the word predestined. Don't. It just means in Jesus Because that's where the salvation comes from. Not you. You and I can't earn that. But in Christ, yes. And we get a glimpse of the forever. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will. And it is a mystery. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed, here we go again, in Christ. So all that was... Looked at outside time and space for us to be able to experience. And then he says this to be put into effect. Oh, now we're where we are in time when the times reach their fulfillment. So now we're back here inside space and time to bring unity to all things. Here it is in heaven and on earth. And guess where that's going to happen in Jesus He is our link to eternity. He is our link to another realm. He is our link to existence where time will not matter. It's hard for us to wrap our time brains around. But here's another amazing thing about Jesus. Even when he was here, he was walking around this earth, and we can go, we can literally get on a plane or a boat And we can head over, and we can walk around on the same ground that he walked on. We can get in the Jordan River and get baptized, just like he did. People do it all the time. He was here. But even while he was here, he understood outside time and space. And we have a hard time with that, right? He was different. He was God. But he was born. I mean... He came out. He had to be nurtured and cared for. He was a terrible, 2 toddler, right? I mean, you say, oh, don't say that about Jesus. He could have been terrible. He was a toddler. He cried. He was a little boy. He was a middle schooler. I mean, come on. He was a teenager. He was a young man. And he was a 30-year-old that had a vision of ministry and just got in there and did it. That was him. And yet, when he was here, he did remarkable things. We don't know hardly anything about the first 30 years, but we learn a lot from the three. He said things like this in John chapter 8. There were these Jews here who wanted to believe, but they were just getting a little bit lippy with Jesus. That's what they were doing. And so in his rebuke, here's where he said. Your father, Abraham. Well, he just went back. Almost 2,000 years, 1,950 plus years. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. What? Now they got, they got it that he just went back 2,000 years in time. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. Have you seen Abraham? Are you nut. Then he says stuff like this. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. He knew even in a human body, he knew about outside time and space because he's always been there. Even when he became one of us, that's the only way you can make a statement like that. You know what? He was there. And he was before, and he was after. And we're with him now from his perspective. He said stuff like this in Mark 12. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he asked, Why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Yahweh to my Adonai, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So he's quoting Psalm 10, where David is making a prophetic proclamation about a coming Messiah. And yet he acted like he already existed. Jesus said, David calls him himself, calls him Lord. How can he be a son? I don't know who would. He came from the lineage of David and yet he was already Lord. You only say things like that when you're God. When you're outside time and space, and yet you're walking around inside time and space. Now and, and, by the way, how else do you just, Hebrews thirteen, eight, right? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. How do we explain statements like that? And you say, well, wait a minute. It's just hitting some of you. I thought we were here to talk about the second coming. What does this have to do with the second coming? Not much, really, just everything. Because if you don't understand the eternity of our God and what it took for us to have a relationship and to get there, the second coming is not going to mean much to you. It's everything. It's the great reset. It's Jesus fulfilling his promise to never leave us here. See, from our perspective, and we can speak to that, right? Our anticipation of the second coming totally hinges on understanding what he's done for us, what he is doing for us, and what he will do for us. All of it. And so that's the point of this whole series. We start today by looking backwards. But think about what he's doing for you today as you sit here or you're out there watching. He works in us. He works through us. He works with us. And he does it by the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us. The Holy Spirit is our guide, our teacher, our counselor, our fruit bearer, our divine interpreter. He's our deposit, a little slice of eternity that lives in you. A deposit guaranteeing our inheritance on the day the Lord is revealed. Michael, I have much more to say about him next week as we work our way back. Today, he is preparing for us. Time 14. He is mediating for us. First Timothy two. He's winning us from sin. The whole book of Hebrews. That's what he's doing today in time. He's representing us. As a glorified, immortal son of God and man. That's why he went back. Changed. But not exchanged. What has he done? Well, he beat the grave. That was big. By his resurrection. We'll talk about it. He beat sin and it's curse by his crucifixion. That was big. A lot of sin going on. We'll talk about it. And he brought hope when he burst forth from Mary's womb. A Savior is born. God is with us. And we'll talk about that as well. Well, what will he do for us when he returns? Because that's really what the lesson is about, even though I don't have a lot of time left. What will happen at the second coming? Well, there's a lot more than I could express in one sermon, obviously. But I sort of centered in on three things that are going to happen. There will be resurrection. That's good. For some. And eternity with God. Big. First Corinthians 15 explains the how of that. Read that. I'm going to read you 1 Thessalonians 4, one of the best descriptions of this day. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who fall asleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And my heart breaks for people that don't have this hope. Can you imagine losing a child, going through the heartaches of life, looking at your own mortality and death when you get the news and not having hope. My heart breaks. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Coming back to be reunited. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. There'll be no mistaken that this is it. None. Well, will we know? Yeah. You'll know what's going to happen. The dead in Christ will rise first. Man, when I used to live out by Rosa, and I thought this is the place to live. If he comes back, it's going to be happening. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them, changed in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And here's the big phrase. And we will be with the Lord forever. Forever. Eternity. No time. No clocks. No pain. No tears. No allergies. Praise Jesus, right? So there will be resurrection and eternity. But there's also going to be something else. There's going to be resurrection and justice. Man, this is a tough one for those who have no hope. Justice is a big word in our current culture. But I got a newsflash. Social justice, racial justice, just add justice to anything. Reproductive justice, whatever that means. When you're dealing with flawed men and women and governments, you're never going to get true justice on this earth. Ever. Won't happen. You know why? Because most people are controlled by the evil one. And he doesn't want justice. He wants malice and division and death and murder. Never going to happen here. But it's going to happen one day. Paul would put it this way in Second Thessalonians. God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. So us saying we got to have justice in this life, he says you just need to hang on and probably expect a lot of injustice, especially if you're a believer. But it's okay because I'm going to work it out is what he says. So you just keep trying to win them. So that they'll look forward to justice as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Again, a heartbreaking statement. Because while you draw breath on planet Earth, you can make the right choice. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who believe. Such a great day for so many vindicated, victorious, glorified, immortal. But for others, a terrible day. A terrible day to face what you knew in your heart. You knew. People say, well, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable. I do. You need to be uncomfortable. Well, I mean, they're living in this life, but you know, I, I don't want to heap guilt and shame on them. Oh, I do. I don't want you to have one comfortable day living for Satan. I want you to be so miserable that you say, Someone tell me about Jesus. Because I want to live forever. That's what I want. So there will be justice. And then there will be a reckoning and a reset. Paul said in Romans 14:10, We will all stand before God's judgment seat. As surely as I live, he quotes from Isaiah 45, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every knee will bow and acknowledge. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then every one of us will give an account of ourselves to God. That will happen. But when you read Colossians 2, Paul says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And tongue confess. So this whole thing really boils down to that, doesn't it? I mean, at some point, everybody who's ever lived will bow down and will acknowledge God and Jesus. And they will say, yes, we know you're there. The question is, are you one of those that did it already or do it then? Because if you wait for that moment, it's too late. I got some advice for you today. This is earth shattering. This is big. This is Nolan brother worthy. Bow the knee now. Bow the knee now. Your life will be better even in time and space. It will be. I mean, the things we really walk away from that God says this better if you don't do that makes us better. Right? Generations of faith is better. Then generations of curse and sin. Bow the knee now. Last week I talked about urgency. And I was going at it more from the aspect of we have such a great message that we want to have urgency about it. Right. Because we don't want to be lukewarm and we want to miss out on all the great blessings that God gives us and watching other people come to him. But there's another thing about urgency today. TikTok, TikTok, Tick tock. The day is coming. And we can't do anything about past generations. See, we're limited in time and space, but we can do something about this generation. I can do something about the people I work with and know, my family. Well, you know, I get the question all the time Al, what, what do you do about a family member? Keep telling them about Jesus. Yeah, but they don't want to hear about it. I know, but TikTok. You don't want to miss out on eternity because that's what's going to happen when the Lord comes back there's an urgency every day because we don't know he says like a thief in the night when it happens it happens and then the great reset so he said well, what do i need to do to bend the knee first of all you got to believe it's true as i said there's a lot of theories out there evolution you know we're just here we're born we we're die we're dead all over when this all ends that's not a very good story I mean, if it's true, this whole thing we're into is just something somebody made up a long time ago. I find that hard to believe because it sure makes a lot of sense when I look out and when I look in. you got to believe it. And people won't, and I get that. But they're going to bow the knee. They're going to be resurrected to face everything they've ever done. Do you want Jesus in your corner? Confess his name. Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. Can we say that one more time? Jesus is Lord. The confession of our hearts. The commitment of our life. To surrender everything to Jesus. That's what he asked for. He asked you to reenact that by being baptized into his name. That way the whole world will know, right? We see it here all the time. He says you're going to receive the Holy Spirit, which will do all the things that Michael talked about next week. And that's a lot. And he wants you to live and share his redemptive story with everyone. That's what he's asking for today. So my question is, are you ready for the coming? I mean, I am so excited about it to then be able to understand eternity as God understands it. What a blessing. You don't want to miss out. If you've never done it, if you've never done the things I've just laid out, today's the day to bow the knee. You're going to do it in the end with all the rest, but we're going to do it with a big smile on our face. You know why? When he says, give me a count of your life, son. You know what I'm going to say? Jesus He's the account of my life. If you don't know him, today's the day. Why don't you come while we stand and sing?